Don't worry, be happy. Uh, most of you have heard that song. It's from 1988. Uh, some of you maybe not because it's from 1988. <laughs> Bobby McFerrin made that song famous. He's a preacher's kid. He engaged this song uh, to let us know that life's negative experiences don't have to get us down. That's not always easy, though, is it? It's not always easy. Uh, our cares trouble us. We call it anxiety. We call it worry. It was Arthur Summers Rocher who said, Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Boy, that's true. And with that knowledge that anxiety, worry, uh, plague many, we read the words of the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Powerful words to us about how to handle our anxieties, our worries, our cares. Eddie Smith says that one of the enemy's principal strategies is to arrange conditions in our lives so that anxiety rises up. He gives a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one reason he says that the enemy wants us to be anxious and to worry is that it embarrasses Father God. Imagine how God must feel when his own children questions his intentions, or doubt his ability. Another reason is to sabotage our praying. Sometimes when we get worried and anxious, we get so filled up with that that we forget to pray. And, and when we do pray, our prayers are filled with doubt. And of course, we know that the Bible tells us that when we pray with doubt, that God can actually provide what we pray for they will not be answered. You see, worry isn't a failure to trust. Worry and anxiety is misplaced trust. It isn't the absence of faith. It's a faith in the wrong thing. A worrier has more faith in the enemy's threats than in the Father's promises. Corey Ten Boom once said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. So what's your anxiety point? What is it that sparks anxiety in your life? How badly must things get until we, we move from whiner to winner, from warrior to warrior? Paul tells us in this, this verse, don't be anxious, but to pray with thanksgiving. There are so many that experience this painful, apprehensive uneasiness that we know 
is anxiety. Worry and anxiety, depression, are common mental health issues. When we think about depression, that, that one way to define depression is that we take past experiences and we superimpose them on the present and feel that we're still tied to that past negative experience. Worry and anxiety is, is similar, but the focus is different. In anxiety and worry, it, it's about the future. It's, it's what's out there that we think might happen, we fear might happen, and we impose it on today. And we get lost in that. When we're highly anxious, we, we lose control. We're unable to monitor ourselves. We, we become reactive. We will take uh, the emotions of the day and they move to extremes where we're joyously uh, happy and at peace and we're extremely anxious and worried and we'll move back and forth. Sometimes we just freeze up. That's the way the brain works, you know. The more anxiety we have, the, the, the scientists tell us, the, the less we're able to think clearly. And so we just freeze up, unable to even make the simplest of decisions, like stop worrying about that. We get set off by small issues and slight changes. Missionary E. Stanley Jones, in his book, Transformed by Thorns, talks about worry and anxiety and fear and faith with these words. He said, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry... My being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. For these are my native air. Prayer, I think, is God's antidote to anxiety and worry. It's the vehicle that we can use to take our troubles. And by faith... Trust God to see us through. Prayer allows you to give your anxiety to God. It's the vehicle in which you can place that anxiety and say, God, take it. God, hold it. God, fix it. God, allow me to have peace in the midst of it. You know, the Bible's so relevant. It talks to us about these issues of mental health and, uh, and we think there's something new for our time. And yet we know from reading the Bible that they're not. They've always been a part of the human condition. From the Old Testament Psalms and the words of the psalmist when he wrote, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Or when he wrote in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. What are you anxious and worried about? What is it that sparks that within you? Is it finances? Your children? Your grandchildren? Worry and anxious about them and the things that are happening or might happen in their lives? 
Is it your job? Is it worrying about what people think of you? And not just whether they like your makeup that day, but what they think about you. What about stress at school? Challenges in marriage? Is it a trauma or an emotional hurt that just continues to plague you with worry and anxiety? I love the words of the Apostle Peter speaking to us. And he says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. All your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties, whatever it is, the Bible encourages us over and over that we are to take those things to God and give them to him. I think Jesus talks to us about an exchange that can be made It's an exchange that is offered. John chapter 14, verse 27. He's preparing the disciples for his ascension to heaven. He he gives them these words. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Take your anxiety to God. Prayer allows you to do that. Prayer is spending time resting in God's peace. He helps us live in the present. He helps us to live for today. We don't have to borrow tomorrow's troubles. We we can give them to Him today and just rest in today, knowing that when we give those things to Him, that He gives us peace. Jesus himself said, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. One of the favorite writers in the Christian world today is a man named Gordon MacDonald. He said, no man ever sank under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. And that's a lot about what anxiety is. It's taking the weight of tomorrow or the next tomorrow or the next tomorrow or the next month or the next year and bringing it into today and it crushes us. When Jesus just says to us through through the apostle, take your cares to God. Spend some time praying and offering those things to him. Go with an open hand, offering to him the stresses of your life. Then Paul says to us, after you pray, set your mind on lovely things. On lovely things. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right. You know, as a pastor, my responsibility every week is to bring something of the truth of God's word to you. And I study a lot of places to, to do that. Uh, sometimes I, I'm in contemporary things. Sometimes I'm in older things and uh, things from men and women of the past. One's a man named Alexander McLaren. He wrote an old commentary called Ex- 
expositions on Holy Scripture. He wrote these words about these, these verses from Philippians. He says, to begin with, that advice, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, implies that we can and therefore we should exercise a very rigid control over that part of our lives which a great many of us never think of controlling at all. There are hosts of people whose thoughts are just hooked on to one another with, by the slightest links of accidental connection and who scarcely ever have put a strong hand upon them or coerced them into order or decided what they are going to let come into their minds and what they will keep out. Circumstances, the necessities of daily occupations, the duties that we owe to one another, all these make certain streams of thought very unnecessary and to some of us very absorbing. And for the rest, well... He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Anybody can go in and anybody can come out. McLaren continues. I am sure that amongst young men and women there are multitudes who have never realized how responsible they are for the flow of the waves of that great river that is always coming from the depths of their inner being and have never asked whether the current is bringing down sand or gold. Exercise control over the run and drift of your thoughts. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying that we have a choice about what we think and how we carry the thoughts that rush through our head. That we can fix our thoughts not on the the worries and the anxieties of what might happen tomorrow, what might be in the future. Instead, he says, fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You have that choice. You have that ability within the wiring that God gave you as his creation to make a determination about where you will fix your thoughts. Take control of it. Exercise that authority. And think about what is lovely and right and good and honorable. And let go of those worries by giving them to God in prayer. You're not helpless against worry and anxiety. We can control our minds. We can exercise discipline over what we think. And it will set us free. And one more thing Paul said to us. He said, look for mentors who have learned to live well. He did that by lifting himself up, saying, follow my example. What you've learned from me. What you've seen in me. Put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It'll be interesting someday to talk to Paul about that particular thought a little more deeply. But certainly here's a man who had learned to live in peace in all kinds of circumstances. He'd been beaten more than once, left naked, left for dead. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been bitten by poisonous snakes that everyone thought surely he would die. He'd been persecuted and run all over the Roman Empire. Run out of towns and villages for his 
profession of the gospel of Jesus, and yet somehow he was able to live well and not worry about tomorrow, not worry about the future, not worry about what might happen as he took his strong stands for Christ. He was able to balance all of that and still be able to say, hey, if you're troubled and you're worried, if you're filled with anxiety, just, just listen to me. What you've heard in me, you know, put that into practice. If you live the way I've lived, you'll be able to handle those things. I would encourage you, if you find yourself having difficulty with worry and anxiety, to, to look around you and find someone who seems to just be able to always live at peace and tranquility. Who, who has an ability to manage the ups and downs of life and keep an even keel and keep a positive disposition in the midst of it and sit down with them over a cup of coffee and say, tell me how you do this. What's your secret? Help me. I think one of the beauties of being a part of the church is that we have each other to lean into in times when we need it and a part of that is to take wise counsel from one another. So look for those kinds of people who can help you be at peace. To live an anxious, free life. Pastor Rick Warren says, Worry is a sign, a red flag, that something other than Jesus has become the center of your life. I want you to watch a video clip of someone talking about their own story, their own struggle a pastor from Southern California who is very open and transparent about the issue of anxiety and how he deals with it. Let's learn from him today. I'm Tommy Hilliker, and I'm a pastor. I actually have the privilege of being a pastor at Saddleback. But that's not exactly all who I am. When I was in college, I actually had my very first panic attack. But I didn't even know what that was. I was in my dorm room. It came on me very quickly, very suddenly. I felt like I was literally dying. I had my roommate rush me to the ER. I felt my, my, I was short of breath. Um, my chest was heavy. I didn't even know what was going on. I've never even heard the word panic attack before. They did all kinds of tests, and I'll never forget when the doctor walked in a few hours later, and he looked at me, and he said, you're going to be absolutely fine. And I was shocked because I thought, for sure, something was wrong. He said, I want you to know you're actually struggling with anxiety, and you're having something called panic attack. Now, I thought I was dying, and he said I was going to be okay, and I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But he sent me on my way, and that started a journey for me, that has lasted up until today. And that is that I'm somebody that struggles with depression. I go in and out of bouts of depression, I have anxiety, and I struggle with panic attacks. At nighttime, oftentimes I'll wake up with a panic attack and, and be sweating um, and, and not even sure where I'm at sometimes in my bed. Um, and I didn't even know that was a problem until I got married. And my wife said, you know what, there's something wrong here, you, you need to get help. For me, I realized that life became a lot like a tightrope act. And that some days I would do really well. I would get from point A to point B. I wouldn't have any problems, and I could, I could uh, manage relationships and manage the day, manage the demands of life that I would have. And I would make it to the other side, and 
I would be excited on some days, and other days I'd just be relieved I got over there. And then some days, I wouldn't do so well. I would take a couple steps forward, I might begin to fall a little bit, I'd lose my balance in life, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it across. And I had to ask myself, what is my safety net? What happens when I fall? Where do I turn, and, and what do I do? And if you're struggling with mental illness, or you're struggling with depression, or, or anything in your life that, that is hard for you, that's the question I would ask for you, and that is, what's your safety net? Where do you turn to when you go through struggles? You should never be ashamed of your brokenness. Everybody is broken. In fact, uh, you should never be ashamed of what you can't control your body does. And know that Jesus died for your brokenness. My depression, my anxiety, my panic is, is my story. It's part of my story. And Jesus died for my story. He died for your story. And he wants to redeem your story in the midst of your brokenness. And so some practical things that I had to do that I would just encourage you to do is I first had to seek help. I had to seek help physically. I had to go to a doctor and, and, and find out a little bit more about what was going on with my body and, and see if there was any kind of medication I needed to help or if there was any kind of therapy I needed to do. And so I want to encourage you to, to seek help and not be ashamed about it. Don't be ashamed of your brokenness. We're all broken. The second thing that I, I needed to do is I needed to make sure I had the appropriate amount of support around me. And then I, so I started going to counseling. I've been in and out of counseling for way over a decade. In fact, I just finished up counseling. I've been in it for over a year. And it's great. It's been very beneficial for me in, in helping me deal with my depression and deal with my anxiety. And you don't need to be ashamed about going to counseling. You don't need to be ashamed about needing to get help. The third thing I would encourage you to do is, is follow the directions of those who you've placed in your life and those who sought help and the suggestions they give you. If they tell you you need to be on medication because that's what's best for you, take your meds. If they say, you know, you need to continue with counseling, maybe go to therapy, do that counseling. Do the other therapies that they recommend. Look at the spiritual life that you have. Look at the spiritual helps that you have and what nourishes your soul. And so are you part of a local body of believers? Do you have a small group around you, or a group of people to support you and love you? So that when you're, you're doing that balancing act and you're going in that tightrope, and those days you do fall, but there is a net to catch you there. There's people to walk alongside you. People to love you. You've got the doctors that you need and the help that you need. And know that God loves you. And no matter what the darkest day that you have, that God is there with you in the midst of your darkest day and your darkest moment. And when you're sitting there in those dark areas, Jesus is there with you. And he is the hope that you need. We don't have um, uh, this concept of hope. We don't have some figure of imagination of hope. Our hope has a name. Our hope is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And he wants to be with you in every moment, the good and the bad, the ugly and the horrible and the wonderful in your life. So let him be. If you've never asked Jesus into your life before, if you don't know how to start that relationship with Jesus, find someone that you trust spiritually at a local church or a pastor or a priest, somebody that you know knows Jesus. And ask them how you begin that relationship with him that you can start the greatest journey you've ever had in your life with Jesus and begin that foundation Find that spiritual help and support that you need in your life. And then also do the practical things that I've already discussed. Taking your medication, going to counseling, doing the therapies that you need to do. So what I'd like to do right now for you is I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, wherever this person is at right now, if they're watching on the computer or on an iPad or on an iPhone, Lord, may they sense your presence right now. 
Lord, may they know how much you love them in their hurt and in their despair in those dark days. And maybe they're right now in the middle of that dark day. That's why they're even on this website or, or on YouTube or searching this video out because they're, they need help and they're looking for that hope that you can give them. Lord, maybe they've gotten to the end of their rope and they're just ready to give up on life. Lord, wherever that person is at, wherever you're at right now, God, I pray that you would just intervene in their life and that they would know that there is a hope, there is a way out of these dark paths, these dark days, and that you love them, that you've got a plan for their life, and that this is not the best there is. There's, there's more to come. There's better to come. Lord, I pray you would begin to help that person build their safety net. They would begin to look around and see who around them could help them and love them and walk through this with them. Maybe it's getting into a support group or getting into counseling. Lord, you would give them the courage and even the energy Sometimes it's so hard, God, we just, we just don't even feel like getting out of bed, but you just give them the physical energy. Take one step, do one thing to help in the struggles that they're having. Lord, I ask that you would give that to them right now. Lord, may they know how precious they are to you. May they know how much you love them and how you've got a plan for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. To say, don't worry, be happy, is far too simplistic a response to the issue of worry and anxiety. But it is a beginning place to start thinking about finding wholeness in heaven. If you struggle with worry, I encourage you to live out these words of the Apostle. Take your cares, give them to God, live for you. Today marks uh, another step in the development of, of mental health ministry in our church. A few will be gathering afterwards today to, to take a first step in developing some resources and ways to help people who deal with mental health issues. I, I, would, I would ask you to be in prayer for us as that unfolds and develops. It's one of those journeys that you just sense God's calling you on. And you don't know where it's going to end up, but that's okay. God's calling you. And if this is an issue that you struggle with or someone you care for struggles with, I would encourage you to seek help, find help. We're working on resources that we'll be able to offer here in the future, but uh, a beginning place is prayer. Secondly, to just talk to someone about what's going on, what's happening. God is a God of peace, God of love, God of joy. And he offers that to us if we will take it. We will reach out and grab it and hold on to it. My prayer is that you will do that. Just stand this worship team comes. <coughs>